Hi, I'm Michael Douglas, and uh, I guess a Bagel Basket podcast or the writer Bagel Boy. Uh, I don't know. They're doing my movie from '95, American President. Yeah, it's in the basket. The writer's Bagel Basket. Sydney. Sydney, Congress doesn't take this long. Mr. President, you have asked me to join you in representing our country. I'm honored. I'm equal to the task. I won't let you down, sir. Sydney, this is just dinner. We're not going to be doing espionage or anything. No, of course. <laughs> Tear me apart, Lisa! Snap out of it! You owe me 15 grand, pal. I love you! That's all I needed to hear. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kerland, and we are doing a special episode. This is the kickoff of 90s November. However, our theme for 90s November this year is uh, Disney in the 90s, and we're doing a film that was Warner Brothers in the 90s, and don't at me. I (laughs) (laughs) Just, I, I thought with, you know, the election uh tomorrow when this is being released um it would be good to do a nice 90s rom-com presidential movie and i originally picked dave and then uh i gave our guest david allen prescott hi bud hi (laughs) i gave you the option of doing this or the american president and you picked the american president (laughs) and uh well and i was i was like yeah that that one's better (laughs) I just love Kevin Klein, which... Oh, me too. He would have been... So he was one of the people offered this role. Oh, wow. And he turned it down because he did Dave and he didn't want to get typecasted. As was the like, president. I was, that's a great thing to be typecast as. Right? They're always going to need a president. Yeah. And then instead he did... Uh, I don't know what he did in 95, but he did uh, Wild Wild West... Where he played Ulysses S. Grant. I love Wild Wild West. Because <laughs> I loved the original TV show. I did too, but that's that's not the same. You didn't like the movie. Oh, I like it. No, I, I saw the movie four lot. times in theaters. I love it. I love it. I didn't I've realize it was so bad until I was older. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. Yeah. But, but I still like it. I just remember from the trailer, Kenneth Branagh going, A quasi vu. <laughs> <laughs> so Brana in that movie is the funniest thing. So David, why don't you tell us what we watched and give us the blockbuster rule? You're in the blockbuster video and the back of the package says to get you to rent this. Uh an American president heading into an election year falls in love with a lobbyist seeking to pass a bill and has to decide between his political future and his romantic future. I totally thought you were going to be like, American president wants to get his rocks off after his dead bride. (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) I would never say such a thing. 
<laughs> Cut to, hey, David, what did you think of the movie before we start recording? <laughs> uh, just some guy who wants to get his rocks off after his wife died. <laughs> this Okay, so this movie is written by Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. And this is the West Wing. Like, from the opening credits of this movie to mm-hmm. the fact that most people who were on the West Wing are in this movie. Right. This is like the West Wing, the movie. The first 10 minutes are like very literally the West Wing. I was waiting for uh, Richard Schiff to show up. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, what, what are you doing here? Oh, you'll see. There's, there's another one coming down from the pike. Well, the craziest thing is that like, clearly Michael J. Fox, who is playing he's like playing a combination of bradley whitford and rob lowe Mm -hmm. like and so in the research um michael j fox had been diagnosed with parkinson's uh two years previous Mm -hmm. he figured out in 91 that he had it and then like didn't get fully diagnosed till 93 so he was worried that when they did the medical exam that he wasn't going to be able to get cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and luckily, um, his his medication was working for him, and he let Rob Reiner know, and Rob Reiner, being all Rob Reiner, was like, of course I'm going to let you in my movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see it. I mean, it's a little... You can... It's a tiny bit noticeable, um, but not certainly to a well, point that it detracts from anything. Yeah, the movie that made him realize that he, with his illness, that he had to go back to TV was uh, Frighteners a year later. Like, he realized he couldn't do it anymore. He, he, it was too much on him. Um, But he is so good in this. He's so good. He's so good. And Michael Douglas, like, so the, the weird thing is, Michael Douglas gets top billed. Yeah. And Michael J. Fox gets the coveted and, like, right. you, yeah, it, it's crazy because you think that As that would go to, like, Martin Sheen. Right. It was, it, when I saw it in the opening credits, I was like, wait, why does he have that? And for a second, I was like, is he, maybe he's playing a real character? Like, sometimes you'll get, like, the featuring so-and-so as because they're playing a character that you're like, oh, look at that. But no, he, he he's just as fictional as everybody else. And it really odd choice for that featured spot. Because usually that's like for, for like a veteran actor, that's usually like, and Christopher Walken or, and Lawrence Olivier. Like, right. It's like, and in Michael this J. role that you wouldn't normally think they'd be in or for, you know, five minutes of the film, but he's, in as much as anybody else, he's just as famous as anybody else. There's no real and he's reason playing, for that. He's playing basically the same character he plays on Spin City. <laughs> right. Yes. So um so originally Martin uh Sheen, so when they were making the West Wing, mm-hmm. um People don't know this about me. I, I don't think you know this about me. My favorite drama of all time is the West Wing. Oh, I've I've only seen a couple episodes in my. It's whole one life. of my favorite shows. I love it. I love the writing. I love the walking and talking. Yeah, <laughs> um, I need to watch it. It's on my list, but I haven't. I've only seen a couple episodes. 
during quarantine, I started re-watching it, and I'm on season five already. <laughs> so uh, Aaron Sorkin casted Martin Sheen as the president because when Martin Sheen heard that they were doing a show like that, he read the pilot, and originally the president wasn't supposed to be in every episode. He was only supposed to like show up every now and then. And yep. Martin Sheen wrote him a nice letter saying, Dear Aaron, uh, I don't know if you remember me. I'm Martin Sheen. I was in your movie, The American President. And he like wasn't being ironic or anything. <laughs> He's like, I, I don't know if you've heard of me before. You know, my son, Amelia, was in those Mighty Ducks movies, and uh, we don't talk about Charlie. (laughs) I don't know. He did a Disney Three Musketeers movie, and they contacted me about the price of drugs that they had to pay for in that movie. (laughs) I was Okay, so in our Flatliners episode, I talked about, if you look at Three Musketeers, and you look at Mm -hmm. the cast in it, it's Oliver Platt, Kiefer Sutherland, and Charlie Sheen. The the bill that the House of Mouse had to pay for like cocaine, <laughs> drugs, alcohol, and prostitutes must have been like through the Steve. room. Yeah. <laughs> I just pictured like Mickey Mouse getting an invoice, like, oh my god, what the hell is this? <laughs> I'm gonna kill Charlie Sheen. <laughs> oh man, Oliver Platt really needs to stop drinking. <laughs> um, but like Martin Sheen because of this movie, he had such a good time making this movie that that he wanted to work with Aaron Sorkin again. And because he had such a good time with the script and saying this dialogue, that he basically said, "No, what, I want to be in every episode of The West Wing. Well, and, that's cool. And because of The American President, we have that. That's awesome. So, um, you picked this movie because... Growing up, you said you watched it a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you watch it all the time on TNT? So, so it was my grandmother's favorite movie, but my grandfather didn't like it. Really? And so, yeah. So whenever it was on and it was just like her and him watching TV, she wouldn't get to watch it. <laughs> and so, like, uh, if he wasn't home um, and we were just hanging out, we'd watch it um and i honestly i haven't seen it in such a long time um but it's obviously it's more impactful when you're not a small child yes (laughs) uh yeah so i used to watch this all the time with my mom and my sister um Mm -hmm. my dad was like your grandfather he he didn't care for the movie until like now (laughs) like i feel Mm -hmm. like now um with age and wisdom he he likes this movie now. Yeah. Uh I just there's something about it. It's like it's like lost in translation. It's one of those movies like after you're done watching it, you just feel really good. Yeah. I have it. I was really just thinking about how long it's been since I've seen a movie like this come out. It's just they don't make movies like this anymore. So, there's a line of dialogue where when Sydney, who is Annette Benning, is like entering the White House for the first time. She mentions like how she wants like a Capra less uh, Capra esque lifestyle to fight Washington and and you know help America. And I just realized like this movie is a Frank Capra movie. Yeah. Like, but if this was made like back then, it would be like star Cary Grant, and it would be called like Our English American President. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hello, Sydney, my darling. Uh, it's so. Uh, 
So good to see you. Let me mansplain to you what having sex with the president would be like. <laughs> I'd watch that movie. And then you would have like uh, Catherine Hepburn as Sydney. <laughs> oh my God, Catherine Hepburn would be so good as Sydney. Mr. President, you will poop. <laughs> You've got to save the environment. I am so sorry, my darling. I made a deal to get rid of guns. <laughs> but yeah, th- I would this- watch the heck out of that movie. But the one thing that kind of takes away the Frank Capra askness out of it is Michael Douglas. Michael, it's so weird seeing Michael Douglas in a role like this. I don't know that I've ever seen him be a charming guy maybe i just haven't seen a lot of mike douglas films no most of his movies he plays a scumbag (laughs) right he's like a creepy or evil or angry he's like an anti-hero kills his wife she Uh, cheats on him and he kills her is that uh, perfect murder yeah yeah that's what i'm used to with him so it's so weird to see him being kind of charming or him and Kathleen Turner like trying to kill each other over a divorce. Yes. Like this is so out of left field and there's a reason for that. Originally this movie was written for Robert Redford. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and he had a falling out with um Rob Reiner over the direction of the movie. So Michael Douglas replaced him. But as I said before, Kevin Klein was the person who they were going to talk to to replace him. And like, now that I think about it, I think as much as I love this movie, I think it would be a lot better if it was Kevin Klein. He has a lot more inherent charm. Yeah. So I was telling Haley, Kevin Klein in the late 80s, early 90s, before uh, him and uh, before his wife Phoebe Cates gave up being an actress um were supposed to be in a remake of the thin man oh and i'm trying to find the picture to send you of what they looked like in the 90s um uh oh here it is um so it's gonna be in the chat but can you picture these two as nick and nora charles like this will ever send I just sent it to you like they would be perfect why won't it open oh there we go oh oh yeah <laughs> like they would be a yep. perfect Nick and Nora yeah um, but he he didn't want to be the president again so the craziest cast um, that they talked to before this. So the movie was written by another director before Aaron Sorkin came on and just gutted the whole thing. Okay. That script was so bad that they didn't even give that guy credit. Oh. I don't even know who wrote it. So originally... And was the when, plot the same? <laughs> pretty much, but the, the president was more of a military... He had a background in like the military and... um he was like a four-star general. He was still okay. a widower, obviously. Yeah. But originally, the choice for the president when they were doing that was Bruce Willis, which I can see. Yeah. Or 
<laughs> Hold on, because this is probably going to piss you off. Oh, oh God. Steven Seagal. Is the president of the United States? <laughs> oh, know. Lord. I don't know, Senator Rumsford. If you want to go after Sydney, you've got to go through me. <laughs> like. I feel like if it was Steven Seagal, they would just need to do like a million flashbacks to the battlefield. <laughs> uh, I think that film would have oh, been terrible. Oh, God, it would have been so terrible. Think of it. There's like a multiverse where that version exists. I ju- the reason that this movie is so great is just the charm of everybody. And a lot of that's in the writing, but a lot of it's in the performers, too. And it. Oh God, Steven Seagal! It would be like, so bad. Yeah, Michael Douglas. At this point, he was known as a womanizer, and yeah. and like he played, you know, these question mark roles. And then he does this, and it's like, oh yeah, I can see why he, women find him charming. I can see like what it is about him, right? But Steven Seagal, uh, I want to ask you out, Sydney. <laughs> Oh, it, oh! It would have been so bad, especially because he needs to seem so human. And He's a widower. There's nothing humanized about. There's nothing human about Steven Seagal. It's all <laughs> artifice. It's all that weird, hazy. Oh, yeah, what's going good. on in that guy's head? It would be so strange. And the last person was uh, Michael Keaton. Oh, okay. Michael Keaton would have been good. I could get behind that, yeah. I actually would really like Michael Keaton, but he was doing Multiplicity instead. Wow. Which is a film that I secretly love. I've never seen it. Well, David will be back to do Multiplicity. (laughs) Oh, good, good, good. I do Um, love Michael Keaton. And Well, there's four Michael Keatons in that one. Oh. Oh. Do you know the plot of it? No. Michael Keaton is a uh, husband and uh, architect and contractor, and he's basically not able to balance his life, so he clones himself. Oh, so, as one does. So he clones himself, and that guy starts taking over the job, so he has more time with his family and kids. But mm-hmm. he still wants to like have freedom, so he clones himself again, and that <laughs> that version of himself is more of a homemaker. And then... Uh, while he's out visiting the world, the clones clone themselves and basically they make like a mutant version of Michael Keaton oh who's God. not all there, who basically keeps pizza in his wallet and is obsessed with Coca-Cola. All right. It doesn't age well. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it does. It, it sounds doesn't. like a very, yeah, well, th- there are certain specific. Thi- there are certain things in this one that don't age well either. Right. So, like, the whole, there's a scene where where Sydney is trying to break up with the president. Like, Annette Benning realizes that, like, dating the president's putting her career in jeopardy. Right. Um, her boss, Frazier's dad. Yep. <laughs> John Mahoney. Yep. Um, you know that on Frazier, John Mahoney's character marries Wendy Malick, who is in this movie. Yes, yes. And that's so crazy. It is really weird. Hey, Frazier. <laughs> um, so, so like the fact that she's like telling the president, "I can't be with you," and he's like, "Oh, I get it. It's because like having sex with me would be intimidating." It's like, no, that's not what she's saying. 
sex and nervousness. Sex and nervousness is my problem. Yes. Last night, when we were looking at those place settings in the dish room, I realized those place settings were provided by the first ladies, and I'll bet none of those first ladies were nervous about having sex with their president husbands. And do you know why? No, but I'm sure you'll explain it to me. I will. Because they weren't presidents when they first met them. That's not the case here. It was very, yeah. It, it, it really, I was like, wait a minute. This, what? This is it? This is all that you think it is? And and he's mansplaining it to her. It was like, yeah. Like, this is an aging world. It also was just like, when he said it, it it's something that's so obvious. Well, you see, when former first ladies had sex with their president husbands, they hadn't met them as presidents. And I'm like, no shit. <laughs> what? Yeah, obviously. What do you, you think this is news? Like, what are you talking about? But then Annette Benning comes in in a, in a button down shirt. Only, well, that's what you're like, oh, out of right. left field. <laughs> it did. It did feel very out of left field. There was no real, I also wish as much as like, I liked them together and I like the romance. I wish there was more of why they fell in love with each other. Yeah, it was basically like she said that he was a pompous ass and he walked in on her and overheard it and he was tickled. Mm. Right. And he loved that like somebody, it was somebody who wasn't just going to be nice to him because he was the president. And then she was nice to him because he was the president. Right, right. And I just wish, I mean, clearly they both love the country. Obviously they both support the same party. Like they have a lot in common. I just wish that there was more than that sort of love at first sight kind of thing. The environmental community is going to whistle a happy tune while rallying support around this pitifully lame mockery of environmental leadership just because he's a nice guy and he's done better than his predecessors, then your boss is the chief executive of Fantasyland. Let's take him out back and beat the shit out of him. Good morning, Mr. President. How are you today? Couldn't be better. My apologies for the interruption. AJ suggested I come by and say hello. You wouldn't be Sidney Ellen Wade by any chance, would you? Mr. President, I'm um, don't know what to say. I, I'm speechless. And the okay, so one of the craziest things was how like oblivious um, uh, Annette Benning was that like he was asking her out on a date. She's like, "Yes, I'll be. I'll do that for the country." Like, yeah, <laughs> like it's a, a call to action. Like. <laughs> Young lady, you gotta do your part for America. You gotta go sleep with the president. Da, 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 da. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure if you got asked out by the president, it would there would be a lot of disbelief there. Of, wait, 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 wait. Who is the president? <laughs> um, <laughs> is it Taft? Because well, if it's I Taft, mean, in the past, if it's, I, if if the it's Taft, I'm DTF. <laughs> <laughs> go into his special tub. <laughs> God. Wasn't even enough room for him in that tub. <laughs> also, uh, I love how they're like, well, you're a widower. He's like, Woodrow Wilson was a widower. <laughs> and then, right, as though that has any bearing on modern events. So Nobody cared about Woodrow Wilson's girlfriend. <laughs> right, sir, right. <laughs> that, that was the thing that I noticed with like... Uh, uh, Aaron Sorkin's writing. Everyone is like a historian. Uh, a historical major or yep. they have like 
a degree in philosophy or education, uh, theology or, um, American literature or English literature Mm -hmm. and every single thing. Uh, I was watching the West wing and there is an arc where the president's daughter is kidnapped. So he has to, uh, submit the 25th amendment that he's not fit to handle with these terrorists because they have his daughter and, they, right. So they get in John Goodman, <laughs> oh, good. who is the Speaker of the House, and he's like this uh, Republican cowboy, guns blazing. Of course. And he, <laughs> I he love co- it when he plays that character. And he comes in, and he starts quoting... Franz Ferdinand, who was the nephew of the Austro-Hungarian emperor, was killed by a group called the Black Hand. And because they were a Serbian nationalist society, the empire declared war on Serbia. Then Russia, which was bound by a treaty, was forced to mobilize, which meant that Germany had to declare war on Russia. Then France declared war on Germany, and that was World War I, because the emperor's nephew was killed. And I was like, where the fuck is this coming from? And, and they do that several times in this movie. It's like, yeah. through the history of time, no president has had to endure what President Andrew Shepard has had to endure. That in the past seven weeks, 59% of Americans have begun to question your patriotism. Look, if people want to listen to... They don't this have a not- choice. Bob Rumson is the only one doing the talking. People want leadership, Mr. President. In the absence of genuine leadership, they'll listen to anyone who steps up to the microphone. They want leadership. They're so thirsty for it, they'll crawl through the desert toward a mirage, and when they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. And I love how, like, Martin Sheen is... I kind of feel like Martin Sheen is wasted in this movie. He is wasted. He is. He does a great job, but he's definitely wasted. Now, the real question would be, what if it... I feel like he is he is much older than Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. I feel like they should have swapped the roles around, and Michael J. Fox should have been the chief of staff, and Martin Sheen should have been the the Louis Rothschild. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then that way, it could just feel more like they're on equal playing field. Right. And no, that's a good point. I, I just, so so <laughs> on on the whole like Sydney thing. So her character works for the G the GDC. Um, and her whole thing is trying to get a greenhouse bill to help the environment because global warming. And he's trying to get rid of, uh, you know, violence, crime, and and gun violence. Mm-hmm. Those are two things that aged too well for this movie. Oh, my God. It's literally... Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it's all still going on. And... It's, so, there's no like, oh, this isn't relatable. It is like, oh, 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 we still saw this as a problem, you know, 25 years ago. Oh, cool. I'm glad we haven't solved that yet. Haley was watching it with me and she's like, what year was this movie? And it was like 95. And she's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they knew back then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, like, they yeah, knew. They knew. Yeah. That's why Al Gore was our vice president. <laughs> like, yeah. My biggest problem with this movie is is Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> like I was trying to think of how to word it, but like <laughs> I 
I, d- I don't understand how they wrote a character who was like Dick Cheney and then they casted a guy who kind of looks like Dick Cheney and later he would go on to play Dick Cheney in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I th- but he did a great job. Yeah. And the the other problem I have... So I, I hate in any movie where... His his character is the one character I felt was underwritten because like I agree because like it's just like I'm evil. Yeah, we should I'm have evil. had more. It did, and as a person who is uh, on the political spectrum, fairly liberal, um, it didn't really bug me all that much <laughs> that the heroes of the story were liberal and yeah. Um, but it, I don't know. It's just, it's really cool that all of the issues that we see happening in the movie are still happening. Yeah. All still happening. Every single one. The, the, um, the identity politics, you know, attacking people based on who they are personally. Um, the whole idea of accusing people of not being moral, upstanding people. And that, that's why they shouldn't be president and that your examples as to why they aren't moral upstanding people are like garbage. That is, that is majorly prevalent right now. Well, okay. So the craziest thing is there, there's a, a line of common sense that you're not supposed to do things like even like, so when they're the GOP, they have the GOP meet in this movie mm-hmm. and, and they go, uh, I forgot his character's name, so I'm going to say uh, Sen- Senator Richard Dreyfus. You can't attack him uh, because his wife's dead. You tried doing that before. Don't attack him. Well, then I'm going to attack him for dating again. No, you can't do that either. <laughs> like Right. And he's only dating one woman. It's not like he had a parade of women coming through the White House. It's like he's had one steady girlfriend for two months, and that's enough to say he's immoral. And then they bring up the idea that you know, what about his daughter? Nobody's talking about his daughter. You mean Icebox? What, what? I know, right? I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look That's the Icebox from, from I know. Little Giants. And then Little she Giants. Went, she, then she went on to do Poison Ivy 4. <laughs> what? Yeah. The, did you remember the movie Poison Ivy with Drew Barrymore? No. Uh, so it was basically about a girl who uses uh i forgot the 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 plot of poison ivy but basically drew barrymore seduces a married man she's in her 20s and and she becomes like the evil stepmother oh um and then poison ivy 4 is that character now that drew barrymore's character is dead it's icebox but she is a sorority sister and she is torturing her sorority (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah. I don't want to see that. Go back to playing football. She's that cute little spunky kid playing the trombone, <laughs> or you know, making chocolate milk with her dad, Rick Moranis. Right. I don't want to see you turn into the girl who told that guy to go punch Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah, no, I want nothing to do with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never talked to you about that. How upset were you when Rick Moranis got punched in the face? Oh my God, who in the world has ever thought to themselves, you know what person I'd really like to punch in the face? Rick Moranis. 
What? He's what? an angel. It's like punching Santa in the face. Like punching Betty White. Like wh- who? Who has the honest desire to do such a thing? That's well, terrible. as you know, Betty White every Thursday hosts a Fight Club, so people have punched right. Betty Betty White in the face, but she usually That's, punches back. Yeah, when you volunteer for it, it's a different scenario. <laughs> I just picture Betty White. All right, fuckers, <laughs> who's going down? <laughs> But oh that okay with me saying fuck this is a PG thirteen movie and they say fuck like three or four times. Do they? I didn't notice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael J. Fox says it once or twice. Uh, Annette Bening says it, and when they're playing pool, uh, Michael yes, Douglas that. says says fuck, fuck you. you to Martin Sheen, which I don't think that's the first time Martin Sheen has had someone say fuck you to him. Uh, probably not. Looking Probably. at you, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, don't make Three Musketeers. It's a kids' movie. Fuck and you're you. Charlie She. <laughs> Fuck you, Dad. Kids are my target demographic. <laughs> in the in the early two thousands, they were shockingly because yeah. of two and a half men. Uh... The craziest thing to think is that Martin Sheen has fathered. Uh, Three children, Renee Estevez, uh, Emilio Estevez, and Charlie Sheen. They're all actors. Mm-hmm. And the two that he did the best job with were Renee and Charlie. <laughs> I mean, Renee and Emilio, right. the ones who kept the Estevez name. And yep. the one that he kind of dropped the ball on. <laughs> it's a good. proud Sheen. <laughs> Which, don't get me wrong, I was... You want to hear a secret that I'm about to tell everyone? <laughs> oh, I'm so ready for the secret. I was obsessed because of Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Major League. When I was a kid, I thought Charlie Sheen was the coolest. Oh. And then I got so excited when he took over for Michael J. Fox yeah. on Spin City and then like his TV show, Two and a Half Men, that I was so heartbroken when he went, when he basically had his meltdown. Yeah. And when I found out every everything, it's like finding out that Santa's not real. I was like, he's what type oh. of person? <laughs> <laughs> Our family liked two and a half men, but then I I don't think I care. I think I think I engaged in a little bit of the enjoyment, a little bit of the Schadenfreude of the downfall of Charlie Sheen. I was like, look at this guy. <laughs> I didn't care. Poor Martin. Which was like, not very nice of me. Because at, at this time, Martin Sheen was getting like his second wind. Uh, he was on the West Wing. It ended. Then he was in uh, The Departed. Like He was basically back on his feet. And then this stuff happened. He was like, ah, oh, shit. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, did you watch? Do you, you have HBO Max, right? I do. Did you watch the West Wing special? I didn't because I haven't seen you, you don't need to see it okay i mean no okay. you, you you should see the special but you don't need right. to I don't need know to the, see show. the rest of it first okay yeah like it, it's its own concise episode but okay. like he is so good like martin sheen to me even even in this movie i'm like no he's the president like i was like why is he playing the chief of staff he's the president <laughs> right yeah no he's really great so like stoic i don't know he just always handles himself so well and I 
I used to quote this line all the time, not knowing what it meant, but I always used to say, uh, yeah, I'll pass her a note in study hall. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love that moment. I, I just love how, like, in this movie, people are so teetering the line of, is this appropriate for a president? And like, if you look at it, mm-hmm. yeah, his wife has been dead for, like, so if we think about it, his wife died right as he started a campaign. So his wife's been dead for like almost five years. Right. And he hasn't dated anyone uh, in that time. Right. He even has a line that he's rusty. I'm like, you're Michael Douglas. You're not rusty. <laughs> right. I haven't done this in a while. Oh, all right. <laughs> How long? Two days. <laughs> it's been a couple of days. I love the conversation, though, when Martin Sheen is asking him if they need to call him in a hooker. <laughs> if you need some personal companionship, arrangements can be made. It's like, oh, gross. I, that's how it came across. I don't think they meant a hooker. but Oh, they meant a hooker. What did they mean? Uh, uh, we will uh, discreetly bring a woman in? No, no. Not a hooker, like a high-class call girl. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's still, that's a hooker. You know, for like, and what's, I mean that that li- what's that I line from EZA? sex workers. What's, what's that line from EZA? Like, honey, you're dressed like a call girl. Not like a prostitute, but like a high-class one for like senators. <laughs> <laughs> you're, dr- you're looking like a Stormy Daniels. I, I just picture, I, I picture... That conversation, it should have been written just a hair different. Like, like, no, I'm not going to... Wait, we can do that? <laughs> like, wait, that's a thing? Like no, him told me about that. Him being stoic, like him being like, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a relationship. Wait, we can do that? <laughs> like, Wait, what? It's been three years and nobody's let me know about this? My wife's been dead. <laughs> you realize. My daughter plays the needing. trombone in football. <laughs> <laughs> Um, another crazy thing is the people that were in this movie, like, so Samantha Mathis, Princess Peach from uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, mm-hmm. she plays his uh, personal aide, yep. which on the show, so like, my problem was, I am obsessed with the West Wing, I love the West Wing, so I was like, no, that's supposed to be Charlie, that's supposed to be Dulé Hill from Psych, that's not supposed to be Princess Peach. <laughs> <laughs> our princess daisy or whatever the hell they called her in that movie because no one saw or played a mario brothers game um i loved that movie everybody hates it but i love it that movie so that was that movie and last action hero were my first double feature that i saw in theaters not in a drive-in but in theaters because i wanted to see jurassic park and my mom was convinced it was too scary so my dad's like "I'll, i'll let you see two movies back to back if you get off the bandwagon of Jurassic Park. I'm like, sure. Sure, whatever you want. I'll go see Mario. (laughs) So, like, seeing her, this was, like, such a 90s movie because, like, you got, like, Richard Dreyfuss, Michael Douglas. So, Richard Dreyfuss, fresh off of What About Bob? Mm -hmm. And Michael Douglas, probably, he won the Oscar, like, four or five years ago. And then you have Annette Benning, who is married to the corpse of Warren Beatty. 
<laughs> oh, born. Um, so do you want to hear the people who were originally sought after to play Sydney? She was like the seventh yeah. choice. Oh, but she's so great. Yeah, but I can say at least three actresses that you would prefer more. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Number one. I feel like I know. Something. Emma Thompson. All right. Yeah. 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 I like Emma. Susan Sarandon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Meryl Streep. Oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I, I, I love Meryl. I will see anything with Meryl in it. But in this role, I think I like Gannett better. I think that Meryl would have been just as good because of Defending Your Life. She plays a very similar role in Defending Your Life. I'm not sold. I really uh, there was also the other the other three were Diane Keaton, obviously. Oh yeah. Uh Gina Davis. Oh. Yeah. Mm. I love Gina Davis, but not, not for, for this. this role. No. And then the one that I could definitely see, Andy McDowell. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was Miss 90s like yeah. rom-com. And this is absolutely the kind of part that that she played. <laughs> but but then you would have that whole But Mr. President, like <laughs> we're doing it for the country. <laughs> well, she's from Virginia. So, yeah, I know. Perfect. D- did you ever see the movie Greystoke? No. The, the Tarzan movie that that they did, she's they had to redub her because the director did not like her virginian accent so they oh re- they redubbed her with glenn close <laughs> oh my god i need to see that then that's hysterical glenn close dropped out of this movie and she was replaced by annette benning glenn close was cast yeah but apparently um she did not after fatal attraction her and michael douglas just kind of had oh like i don't think they i i don't want to Talk out of turn. It just for some from what I heard, she wanted to do it with Robert Redford, and it wasn't like she hated Michael Douglas. It was like I already worked with you. I want to work with someone I didn't work with. Yeah, and then I can he see was that. like, "Wait, but you worked with him on The Natural," and she's like, "Shut up." And how would it affect the movie too? Like just having that dynamic from Fatal Attraction in the back of your mind. I think that's why like, she so dropped when she's out. Going to go psycho. I think that's why she dropped out. Yeah. Um, Because she ended up doing 101 Donations instead. Well, then, thank you. Thank you for dropping out, because 101 Donations without Glenn Close would not be worth seeing. So you're not looking forward to Cruella with Emma Stone? Well, that I am. I just don't think that there was anything else in 101 Dalmatians that was worth seeing without Glenn Close. <laughs> I'll let you know, David Allen Prescott, that Jeff Daniels is sex on a stick. <laughs> I I like him and he was fine, but Cruella makes that movie. She makes that plot. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I'm just being a little shit. That's okay. I think Jeff Daniels would also, like he wasn't on the list at all, but he would have been good in this role too. Oh yeah. Yeah, he would. Because, like, he's that type of charming. Right. It's just, like, I like Michael Douglas, and I love him in this movie. But, like, I'm going through his IMDb right now, and you have, like, uh, uh, Streets of San Francisco TV show. Um, then you have, like, Romancing the Stone, mm-hmm. Black Rain, uh, 
Wall Street, like all these movies where he's like hard ass badasses, and like right. then then you have him basically kind of antagonize the press like playfully as the president that everyone likes. Like this right. is the type of of role that is like shocking. It's like Michael Douglas in a rom com. Yeah, and I I also love how impressed he is when. He's like, do you speak French? Do you? And he doesn't even ask Sydney. And then all of a sudden, she's mm-hmm. like, français? And she's like, <laughs> her and the the uh, president of France are having yeah. this deep conversation. And then he's he's like, oh, do you want to dance? <laughs> yep. I'm like, okay, o- only Michael Douglas can pull that off because. Michael Douglas seems like that guy who uh, is at the bar. He's like, "Hey, want to get out of here?" And 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 me, I'm like, "Absolutely." Let's. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife's like, "Okay, you two have fun." <laughs> yeah, I just like that. You know, the script really pushes the idea that he knows how to be a normal guy, or he knows how to be the president. And he doesn't know how to be one of those things within the realm of the other. Yeah, he can't and, be both on the Venn diagram. Right. So it's like if if he's going to order flowers, he wants to do it as himself, but has no freaking clue how to do that within also being the president. And that I don't love the beginning of the film just because it's so like packed with political wordplay and doesn't set the tone for what the movie is going to be at all but it's so necessary in showing that like his life just runs like a machine while he's president right and pretty much relies on everybody around him so then when it switches and he goes back to this other part of you know being a normal guy it's been so long since he's done it and he can't escape the fact that even while he's doing it he's still the president I don't know why when I was watching this, I feel like this role was written for Bill Pullman. Oh, yeah. It feels but very he wasn't, Bill Pullman. But he wasn't Bill Pullman yet. Right. Like, th- this feels like a role that he should have played. Right. Um, and And then you have... Everything else happened in the movie, and, and the more I watched it, I was like, this is kind of like while you were sleeping. Like while you were presidenting, <laughs> <laughs> it it also really speaks of a time where Americans were kind of uh, dreamy eyed about the president. You know, uh, uh, sort of harkens to a kind of like the the way the country felt about JFK, even though obviously he had a wife. Um, But this sort of idea of him as a bachelor and attractive and out there and... Yeah, and... That's a very good point. Because they even made him kind of look like JFK with the the pompadour and, and, you know, his schoolboyish good looks... Mm-hmm. that they commented on and how he was like the safe bet president. Like there's even a line of dialogue in this movie that he was, he's such a nice guy that if his wife didn't die, he wouldn't have gotten elected. Right. <laughs> and like 
that's kind of the perfect like sur- summation of like his character because when he orders people to be killed <laughs> like yeah and and like he feels really bad about it because I was just waiting for like a true lies moment where Annette Bening's like, you just had people killed and him go. Yeah, but I feel really bad about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's another one of those great moments where they really try to illustrate how frustrated he is with the idea that nobody around him is behaving like a person. And he still is very much a person. He's so down to earth and, really just hates that nobody in this realm is on that same level with him. And he clearly enjoys being president, but it in that moment, you know, he's asking how many lives are we going to lose? What can we do to lose as few as possible? And everybody's like, what the hell are you asking these questions for? Like, we just have something to do. Get over it. Right. And, and, and the, the crazy thing is they're like, well, it was just like a few custodians. It's like four custodians. And he's like, yeah, but an hour ago, I gave the order, and an hour from now, a custodian is going to be dead, and he's not going to know why, and he's mm. not going to know that it was me. Yeah. And, that and was... because of something that he had nothing to do with. The one thing that is much different than the West Wing, so the West Wing does stuff where it feels like an actual drama it feels like an actual political thing this the situation room in this movie is like a conference room where the situation right. room in the west wing is the situation room like yeah and the offices in this version of the white house look like it, it kind of looks like a call center it kind of looks like like right. a ma- magazine call center but the crazy thing is that where on the West Wing, everyone has their own office. I don't know if that's true for the real White House because Clinton let all of these interior decorators and production designers into the White House five times to take a look at the West Wing to see how it was designed. Mm-hmm. The only place he couldn't give them was the Situation Room, obviously. Right. Um, but like everyone else's office, I think that's how it really is. I think it's more like a bullpen and less like, you know. Yeah. And and that I I give like praise to to the production design for it, mm-hmm. except making the Situation Room a conference room. Right. <laughs> uh, so the dance scene. Yeah, I have to talk about this because they said that by getting Sydney to dance with him, then everyone would start dancing with him. Uh, right. Not with him, but would start dancing. Yeah. No one dances. <laughs> no one dances. Jill said the same thing. She was like, why didn't anybody get up and dance? It was really weird. It felt like it was going to be one of those moments that was like, the. it felt like it was going to be like the king and I, where it's like, you know, she comes in and says, this is how you would make yourself more approachable and make this event more approachable and he's like oh hey then let's dance and then you think everybody's gonna get up and it's gonna be like oh look her 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 little her little her intellect here to to identify this moment and how to transform the optics of it really 
led to a beautiful thing and instead no no they just dance in the middle of the room and people stare at them and it was like what is happening the crazy thing is do you remember the poster for this movie is it them dancing it's them dancing and then there's the white house in the background and the american flag Mm -hmm. that that's not (laughs) (laughs) that's not a poster they have to show that it's a romance, obviously. Well, then why don't they have a picture of them, uh, you know, on Doing top? Doing <laughs> <laughs> Brady's the headboard in the Lincoln bedroom. <laughs> they can't. They can't have the no strings attached poster where it's her in the the button up white shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like like the classic when Harry met Sally rom com where it's like him meeting her on the stairs mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it, it felt weird. It, it feels like when you take an image from a, a still from a movie and then you Photoshop it. Right. Um, also, <laughs> uh, the Camp David scene where yeah. basically they're watching TV together and Richard Dreyfus is on TV saying, listen, I wouldn't be saying that she gave out sexual favors to get her way if I didn't have three credible sources. Uh, that whole scene is like, what? Who? What? I mean, he literally insinuates that senators are saying that she's given. Them. And it's like, what? who? Who? Who is saying this and what is going on? This is insane. Well, you know, I think I would think it was completely insane if there were not equally insane accusations coming out of the current White House all the time. <laughs> that that's We that's... live in a climate now where people are like, oh, well, um, I heard that so-and-so did this. But, but... And I take no responsibility <laughs> for that. Go look it up yourself. It's like, what? <laughs> it, it... I, I just thought it was weird for this movie because then it leads to to um, Michael Douglas. So this is the crazy part. In Michael Douglas's unforgiven speech, as I'm going to call it, like his speech at the end. You gather a group of middle-aged, middle-class, middle-income voters who remember with longing an easier time, and you talk to them about family and American values and character. And you wave an old photo of the president's girlfriend and you scream about patriotism. You tell them she's to blame for their lot in life. And you go on television and you call her a whore. And I was like, that's not the word to use, man. It was very weird that that was the word that was chosen. Go on national television and call her a whore. And I'm like, uh, he didn't sir. say that. He, he didn't <laughs> use that word. I mean, he clearly was insinuating, but you're the one who just pulled that word out, like, sir. That, that's why this movie doesn't age well. It because it's. But man, that that speech is pretty pretty good up until that point. Yeah. And the other thing that doesn't age well is that that line of him saying that Sydney's out of his league and to stick with going after me. Sydney Ellen Wade has done nothing to you, Bob. She has done nothing but put herself through school, represent the interests of public school teachers, and lobby for the safety of our natural resources. You want a character to debate, Bob? You better stick with me, because Sydney Ellen Wade is way out of your league. It doesn't age well because Ted Cruz used that in a debate against Trump. 
oh. in 2016. And and people were like, that's too Oh, about good. his wife? When Trump was going after his wife? When he was going after Heidi Cruz. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone's like, that's a quote from a movie. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, and then they they realized like Ted Cruz had basically other lines where he he stole from movies like when he said I'll have what she's having make my mm-hmm. day <laughs> kiss my grits he's just a film nut that's all <laughs> but that speech at the end when everyone's clapping and they're like yes Mr President you did it and he's like I need to get in my helicopter and find her and <laughs> all right why can't oh. No, the line is... Yeah, he I wants need, a normal car. A normal car that's not bulletproof. Yep. Non-bulletproof regular car. And and then when she just shows up, I'm like, that's such a rom-com thing. It was great, though. It was great, but, but was she could only easily get into the White House when she hadn't... When, like, the president said it was okay for her to come. So I just imagine her being like, no, I need to tell him I love him. And, like, she, she's, like, insecurity with that guy who also likes Frank <laughs> Capra movies. And, and it's like, hey, Sydney, what about... I don't have time to talk about arsenic and old lace. I need to get to the president. <laughs> He's like, well, you two broke up, so you're not on the list anymore, Sydney. So you want to talk about you can't take it with you or Mr. Smith goes to Washington? <laughs> I just love that she comes in and they have her in a gray hoodie and a coat and just looking so normal. It, I don't, it's so sweet. Yeah. Movies like this movie now are not taken seriously in any way and they're made with like third rate actors and well, they're they don't movies make I don't want to see. Right. Like the last good rom-com I saw in theaters was 2014 and that was um What If with Daniel Radcliffe and Zoe Kazan and Adam Driver. I haven't seen that. So good. But that was the it's a very when Harry Met Sally movie. But that was the last big name one and after that, I think Netflix is the only one that really does rom-coms anymore. Yeah. Um, and the last good one I saw on Netflix was, did you see the setup or set it up with, uh, no. with it has Lucy Liu and Tay Diggs and it's about their assistants who are played oh, by Leah Thompson's like Lucy Liu. She's pretty good in it. She's <sighs> pretty good. The thing I've ever liked her in was lucky number 11. I liked her in kill bill. Ready for this. You've never seen Kill Bill? I've never seen Kill Bill. <laughs> Kill Bill's pretty good. I I know. I know. I need to see it. I don't know how I've avoided seeing it. It's because you're not a Charlie's Angels fan. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they don't make rom-coms anymore. Like, I no. really miss... Um. Oh, wait. I, I lied. The, la- the last good rom-com that I saw was... The long shot with Seth Rogen and and Charlize Theron. Okay, I didn't see that either. That's a political rom com. That's like the American president. Oh well, then I need to see that. It's so good. It's so sweet. I'll add like, it to my list. Like there's a scene. Spoiler alert! But she tells <laughs> she's. She tells Seth Rogen she loves him. And she goes, mm-hmm. telling you I love you is the scariest thing that I've ever done. And I've been in an elevator with Saddam Hussein twice. <laughs> <laughs> but like they don't make rom-coms like this anymore 
Yeah. yeah. There's just something to be said for these movies that are just heartwarming. And there aren't really a whole lot of them anymore. So the other person I thought of while we were talking, when we were talking about the dance scene, I was like, no, who would be really good as Sydney? Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, yeah. I can see that, too. But then they would have to pay for, like, a ton of Activia. (laughs) The woman needs to have her bowels moved. Okay? (laughs) She was on a podcast, and she was talking about how she used to, when she was the spokesperson for Activia, uh, she would carry a tape recorder around with her because people would be coming to her telling them, (laughs) telling her about their shits and, like, how great Activia (laughs) was. And she would, she's like, I got to get this on tape. (laughs) Jamie Lee, thank you so much. You've changed my bowel health. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm I'm rewinding the tape. Mm -hmm. Oh, all right. Let me tell you about my BM yesterday afternoon. (laughs) It was a busty Sunday evening. Did you just say busty? Yeah. I meant brisk. I meant brisk. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I love... I love in my my bit that <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis is the heckler. <laughs> I'm making you say this on on tape because I'm being a dick. Right. Uh so yeah. The other thing um that was crazy is to think of and it's crazy in a good way that there's a line of dialogue where you find out that <laughs> that the president is attending parent teacher conferences and it's yep. like it's it's just so crazy to think of like a president in a parent teacher conference, right? Because like I I've I have friends who are teachers and they talk about how like difficult it is to schedule a parent teacher conference. Try arranging that with the White House, right? But that's another one of those great scenes where people expect him to not be a person, where he's like, hey, so you're studying this in social studies? And his own daughter is like, how do you know that? And he's like, "Um, parent-teacher conferences? And it's just like, what? You do that? That's another thing that's so common with Aaron Sorkin. In at least one Aaron Sorkin TV show or movie, someone gives someone else the Constitution. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like, like it's such a common thing. I was like, Aaron, are you are you walking around with the Constitution in your back pocket? Yeah, he probably is. Because <laughs> on the West Wing, uh, the president, when Julia Hill's character graduates uh, from George Washington, he gives him one of the first editions of the Constitution when it was first published. Oh, cool! And and I was like. Is this an Aaron Sorkin thing? (laughs) Right. Since the history of man, the Constitution... Shut up! Just shut up! (laughs) I think the thing that the film was missing was a gesture from the president, like a date that was a normal date that he found a way to do a normal thing with Sydney. Like in Dave when they go when they have their picnic. Yeah. Because mid- I think it would have solidified that whole idea of I'm glad that I can be a person with you and that you can see me as a person and it would have given us that little bit more of a push to believe them as a romantic couple. Because I think it would have just pulled everything together. 
because all we really get is that Christmas party with Eric Stone Street. Yeah. A young Eric Stone Street is in this movie. It, there's just a bunch of awkward, you know, you've got that weird like, oh, you're the president. Oh, oh. And then all of a sudden it's just like, we're together now and everything's great. And it's like, where's that in between place? Where's that thing that, I mean, I guess the sex is what breaks down the barrier, right? <laughs> they have sex and then she's like, that was great. I'll be back tomorrow. And he's like, you can't leave. I love how he's like, Lewis is on his way. And she's like, well, then I got to get out of here. He's like, well, he's going to be right behind that door. And he's like, hey, Sydney. Because <laughs> they need to come up with a plan to get her out. Mm-hmm. And then like. And it's like, come on. They got the tunnels. They got something at the White House to get secret ladies out of there. <laughs> Let's be serious. Yes, but he he actually mentioned something like that because he said it would have been different if you took a car because we would have been able to get you out easier, but you brought right. your own car. Right. And they, the press saw her. So driving. they know you're here, right? <laughs> I wish they like did like an Indiana Jones where like they're like, "Where is Sydney? Where's Sydney?" And she's like standing right behind them, like, "Oh, I have to get to an, uh, an appointment with the president." <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "Where the fuck did you come from?" <laughs> oh, what happened? <laughs> I will say, <laughs> I like Annette Benning, but I don't like Annette Benning. I don't know how to say that without sounding mean (laughs) i don't always love her but i really like her in this i like her in this and i like her in the kids are all right but everything else not so much like i think it's because of american beauty oh yeah she's such a bitch in that i think i think she's definitely a person but i think that's also why like a jamie lee curtis or a glenn close are good options for this role is that they're all sort of that actress who is not a a bubbly, ingenue kind of actress. You know, they have that sort of stone exterior at times. Um, I feel like Annette Bening was too bubbly. I think the writing and everything in this just really made her and and the character she was playing was perfect for this idea of being this hard ass who also is not yeah i will say that i do love the scene when he's calling her and she's like okay very funny uh if you're the president then you have a great ass and right (laughs) and then she's like i can't believe i did this again yeah and it's it's, a, it's also just a nice commentary on um, women in those positions and having to be a certain level of assertive and uh, having that onus on you of doing your job perfectly and, and navigating that sort of dynamic that it, that is historically more dominated by men because that john mahoney speech that he said about her was just so mean mm. like his speech was like oh yeah i forgot what he said it was just mean because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he was like too over the top and yeah. i i heard that his character was originally written for john lithgow and like oh. th- that makes sense, but mm-hmm. like having Fraser's dad be such a dick to her. 
was so jarring. And then he fires her. Yeah. And like, there's no reason why he fired her. Like it, because the president went back on his word and gave the, the bill to some, to the crime bill, like he wanted to. Right. But her crying, she's like, I gotta go. I gotta pack my stuff. And like, She's just leaving. It's like, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Damn you, Martin Crane. God damn it. So, is there anything we're missing? Like... I don't think so. I think we've gone over it. All right. All. So, before we get to bagels, mm-hmm. there's a little throwaway thing. That will make mm-hmm. you laugh. So there's a scene where Michael J. Fox basically sees a Diet Coke can and he just goes, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know why? Why? Because from 1985 till about 1996, he was a spokesman for Pepsi. Oh! <laughs> I didn't, I didn't and, know that. But it's very, that moment, it's very noticeable that it's a Diet Coke can. And he very... Get that the hell out of here. And also in the White House, when it's a uh, Republican president, the cola product is Coke. And when it's a Repu- uh, when it's a Democrat, it's supposed to be Pepsi. Oh wow. So so I think that was also a jab at that too. But Oh, okay. I think it was because he was the spokesman for Pepsi for the longest time. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So how many bagels? I seven and a half. That low. Wow. Yeah, I think seven and a half. Well, I yeah, I think the romance just missed. I buy it because of the way they performed it, but there wasn't enough for us to see where their actual romance came out of. So out of thirteen bagels, I'm gonna go with nine because I forgot it was out of 13. Okay. I was doing seven and a half out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Do you want me to restart or do you want me to just keep going? It? This is gold. <laughs> okay. Um, so nine. No, I agree with you. Nine, nine yeah. out of 13. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I wish they wrote her character and, um, uh, Ann Smith who plays the, the press secretary. Yes. Uh, I wish, she had more. I would. I. F- I just feel like there should have been stronger female characters. Yeah, and there also, were some great characters in that movie, and it's just like you wanted more of them. I also want to see more scenes with like Michael J. Fox or Martin Sheen, like, or maybe a scene where it's like Martin Sheen and Michael J. Fox talking about like the whole situation, and because mm. Martin Sheen is supposed to be his best friend. Like right. Martin Sheen saying, listen, it's none of our business. You need to let it go, Lewis. And him being like, no, Doc, like if you get the. <laughs> I do love how they introduce him because you think he, you, he's, he's the, the domestic um, uh, deputy, but you think he's like a speechwriter because he's like, you missed a whole paragraph in the speech or you cut out a whole paragraph. Right. Well, you think he's supposed to be the deputy communications director. Rewrite the State of the Union. You know, those are the only real jobs he's given in the film directly. Right. So, like, I feel like he was the wrong role. 
And mm. I think that's why they, because his character is very Toby Ziegler. Yeah. So I feel like Aaron Sorkin did more research. He's like, oh shit, like there's a deputy director of communications. All right, director of communications. I gave him the wrong role. Whoopsies. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fix that next time around. <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably going to have a TV series that goes for seven seasons that I leave after five because I have a terrible cocaine problem. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's why most of us have to leave our big projects we're working on. There is literally an episode of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip that he wrote based on a real experience he had writing The West Wing where he was so high on drugs that he visualized someone coming in and giving him stronger different drugs <laughs> like <laughs> oh poor oh, i love it, aaron sorkin i i just it is i'm really it makes me so sad in general these like great awesome really talented people who he's been clean for a long lose time their now. lives to drugs yeah well you know it, uh, it still happened you know yeah it's just a bummer to see people taken down that road but I, I i was like that is a plot point in this episode and he's like yeah i thought it'd be funny to address something that happened to me i'm like it's not it's not funny no no very tragic very disturbing um so thank you for doing this my friend oh thank you for having me and uh what i want to say to everyone listening because this is coming out on monday and tomorrow is election day doesn't matter what party you're for, what part of the aisle you're on the left or the right, go out and vote. Mm-hmm. It's you, it's your constitutional right. Go out and vote. And everyone deserves to be heard. That's what makes this great. See, this is why I don't get political. I'm not good at being political. I think we've all been beaten down by the current political climate. And so you can feel less than optimistic about the office of the presidency, but there are ballot measures. There are other candidates that you're voting for, including local politicians, state politicians. They matter the most to your day-to-day life anyhow. Um, So, you know, we're all exhausted. It's been a terrible year on so many notes. but this is the best way that you affect your daily life and the life of those around you is to get out and vote. And the most important thing is we all have a voice and it's our, it's your turn, my turn, David's turn to be heard. Go out yes. and vote. Doesn't matter who you vote for, Republican, Democrat, it's your choice and no one can judge you on it. Mm-hmm. So, so we have a representative democracy that's not representative if we're not voting for those people who are representing us. So make it, and, make your voice heard. And as that, uh, <laughs> that, did you see that commercial where, uh, they used strippers to get people to go out and vote? No. It was, if you go on the daily, uh, last week tonight, John Oliver, uh, showcased it, but they made a good commercial and they got all the points on voting. So, what whatever you do, if you're going to the polls, if you mailed in your ballot, just be safe. That's yeah. the most important thing right now. This is a scary time because of COVID. Numbers are rising. Uh, just be safe in whatever you do. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Mm-hmm. And David, thank you so much for doing this, my friend. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful as always. So until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye. <laughs>